0: Yeah, it's above the break. As always, this is Devin Brown, and I'm joined by... James Piercey. Hey, James. So, tough times out there for a fake trade writer now that all the trades have happened.
1: Nah, easy times, man. Easy times because the results of every evening influence uh, ideas. And then once the games get started, it's all the easier.
0: It is amazing the appetite and the ability to just consistently churn out fake trades where people are like, yeah, I'm like, dude, n- like nothing is happening for a while they're like, no. No, Dame this could is be happening again. Right now, yeah. Dame <laughs> is on the move to Miami. Mark my words. Make my words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um we're going to get this episode going by talking about James's former favorite player. James Harden getting traded again. Is this the third or is it the fourth trade? Rockets to nets, nets to a third trade. It is the third trade in like the past three seasons for James Harden, which is just for a player of his quality is a little absurd. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think, like, obviously, players I think move more than they used to, especially through trade. I don't think any player. That was as good, as as good as him as been moved that frequently.
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, obviously they were all requested, which makes it a little. It's not like teams are sending them off because they don't want them. You know, like, like, it, like it looks worse than it actually is. But I mean, well, it's, it's also it's bad in a different way.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not like the it's not like the well. It's funny because if you if you don't know this NBA fans, James Harden was traded from. Philadelphia 76ers to his preferred destination, the Los Angeles Clippers. And what's funny is the other player that he, the player that he's joining for the third time, Russell Westbrook himself was traded like three or four times in a three or four year span. The difference between Harden and Westbrook is Harden was significantly better at each of those trade junctures and was not significantly overpaid. So I do find it funny that they're both back home in L.A. on the same team, with yeah, with the two superstars that kind of make the most sense next to those types of players. <laughs>
1: I I think that on paper this is the most logical place that Harden has landed. I, I tweeted this, but it, it, it's kind of funny that he's always needed like a three and D wing who can create his own shot for a co-star. That's always been the most sensible co-star for Harden and he's had everything but you know Houston tried the dual point guard thing and then he went to Brooklyn with I guess Durant sort of meets that criteria yeah yeah yeah. Durant meets that criteria but
0: I that mean was Brooklyn short.
1: was just weird the the Nets fell apart because of egos and off court stuff you know it didn't really have anything to do with basketball and then but I, I, I never really loved the Embiid partnership It went about as far as I expected it to you know and now this makes a lot of sense on paper. Only problem is, and this is why I think that Harden was cursed by a wicked witch at some point in his life. Uh, both these dudes get hurt. You know, Kawhi, it's nearly a foregone conclusion at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see how how it works out.
0: You're saying Trevor Ariza isn't a wing capable of creating his own shot?
1: Precisely what I'm saying.
0: Okay. I I agree with everything. So the only thing I will say is like, they they, he, they tried the two point guard thing in houston they only won like 67 games or 65 games one season and oh. like were sick like they it i'm just saying when people say they tried something out it's like oh you know they, they thought about it once it looked, you know didn't quite yeah. live up to what they're hoping i'm like basically like it worked about as well as any roster decision can possibly work
1: No, no doubt. I I just mean he's had every type of co-star except for the one you'd think would be the most logical, which is, like, either one of Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, you know? But, yeah, I mean, of course, in Houston it was very successful. But worth noting, Chris Paul, uh, when he's engaged, is an excellent off-ball player and in his prime was an excellent defender. So he's still kind of got some 3D qualities.
0: He really does. He really does. Okay, let's just get to the nitty-gritty where I list off the trade according to... Everyone's favorite person, ESPN's Adrian Wozronowski, who apparently had to be stuck in like a Newark airport all night because he was scared if he got on a plane, he wouldn't have Wi-Fi and wouldn't be able to break the news. Uh, Guys, I know everyone wants to be one of these super journalists. You don't. It's not worth it. Like all the money, all the fame, all the acclaim. And it's like, what's your job? Your job is to never sleep. I like sleep. Right? Give to okay, Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe has it right. He's respected. He's not super famous, but he's sort of famous. He gets to sleep. That's the key thing. Okay. So James Harden, and this is crucial, DJ Tucker, who has another year on his deal, of like eleven million, and Philip Petrusev, who I don't really know if he's played at all in the NBA, but as you can guess, he is European. They were sent from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Los Angeles Clippers in exchange for the poo-poo flatter. Actually, not even poop. These These guys are solid, but they're all expiring contracts. Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, KJ Martin, another Rockets legend, a 2028 <laughs> unprotected first round pick, two second round picks, a 2029 pick swap. And those are from the Clippers. And then an additional first-round pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder. So this is technically a three-team trade. From my understanding, the Clippers gave Oklahoma City a pick swap and in return, got a pick from them, one of their many picks. And that's how this deal shakes down. So when you hear this deal, are you like, this is good value for the 76ers?
1: I think, in light of the circumstances, it's excellent value. In in a vacuum, in terms of like Harden's raw production last year, no, not really. But given that he's you know on an expiring contract, effectively, um, is a massive flight risk who has only proven that he's going to request a trade whenever he's dissatisfied. I'm not even trying to knock him on a personal level, but that just does factor into his trade value, right? Like, yeah, like say. You know, you think of a team that could use a point guard, take the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? If they were to go out and get Harden, yeah, they probably they could be much better this year. You know, it, it could really be significant for them, but they're not going to give up value. They don't have picks. So they're a bad example. But even if they did, they're not going to give up value because Harden is definitely leaving. So the Phillies backs were really up against the wall. And with that fact in mind, I, I think the fact that they got so much draft capital is is definitely a credit to them.
0: Yeah, I don't know how to feel about the draft capital that they got. I mean, they got a pick from the Thunder which I don't think is going to be all that good. It's like it's like part of like a massive kind of like swap situation where there's like three teams involved and like they get the least valuable of those three picks. So, yeah. you know, probably not that's probably not really all that valuable. Like having it is better than not having it, but it's not like it's not a pick that you could or an asset that you can be like, like you could maybe get like a Joe Harris or Bogdanovich type player, but that's like kind of like a rental, like one-way, one-dimensional player, not really changing your life. The 2028 unprotected first round pick and the 2029 pick swap are obviously viewed as good. And I know the the where the Clippers currently stand and like the history of the organizational dysfunction, I think make those picks seem very, very valuable, but this is a franchise that like quietly for the last decade plus has been really, really, really fucking good and competent. Yeah. They have a super rich owner. They're in LA. They're opening up a new arena, like where they currently stand with the age of the roster at the current, with the lack of picks coming in before that. I understand that's viewed as a good, as a good asset. And I'm not saying it's not. It's a better asset than, like, a magic 2028 unprotected first. But I'm not sure, like, the dreams that, like, everyone is chasing the Brooklyn Nets-Boston Celtics deal. And it's just, like, I think that was just, like, an anomaly. It was just a bad deal. And, like, they just got really, really, really bad. And they sent out really, really, really good picks so we'll see plus that team bounced back pretty quickly um
1: let me let me let me weigh in for a second i i would just correct you or not correct you but uh counter a little to say that i think anomaly is too strong of a word i i think the probability of it is of course low right uh specifically because obviously when a team doesn't have their own pick they're less incentivized to lose so they will do things to win that maybe they wouldn't do if they were just operating under ordinary circumstances so you always run that risk. And, and, you know, especially when you're trading with a big market team, like the Clippers might just, uh, you know, uh, sign Cade Cunningham in 2028. You know what I mean? Like they might just be able to do that because they're L.A. So, yeah, certainly you you do run that risk. But I I still think that it's a good asset. And, and, oh, and yeah. I would say that all, all that matters right now is how it's perceived because the Sixers – are probably going to look to move that pick at the deadline anyway, right? So, you know, as as long as there's a GM out there who doesn't believe in the Clippers, well, not a GM, but as long as there's a GM with a good deal for them that doesn't believe in the Clippers, which I, I think there's a pretty good chance.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a bad asset. I'm just saying, sure. I I do sometimes feel like these picks are viewed as like being super, super, super valuable, and I'm like. They are, if the perception is it's a valuable pick, they really are. I just always am kind of like cautious where it's like if this team has the ability to get good players in free agency, and there are not many teams that can actually say that. And I think the Clippers are one of those teams now. You always have to just be like, it's not quite as valuable as maybe definitely as as the roster, the current age of the roster would lead you to believe, right? Like a bucks 2028 or 2030 pick that's real valuable because as soon as Giannis is done being an MVP, the Bucks ain't like, they're going to have to pick, they're going to have to draft their next, their next superstar. They're not just going to go out and get him.
1: It's also just a generally a bit of a mystery box. Like any future distant pick is like, you're basically paying a hundred dollars for something that might be $5 and might be a million dollars, you know? Yeah. That's a way that I might be willing to invest a hundred dollars right now. If such a real life mystery box existed, but it's not necessarily a good investment. Uh, but it's not necessarily a bad investment. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a volatile investment.
0: Yeah. Um. As it pertains to the, let's just talk about the Clippers because they got the best player in the deal. And I think whenever you talk about a trade, you got to talk about the team that actually got the best player in the deal. You've already said it. James Harden makes a ton of sense on this team. I don't know if I would have done this if I was the Clippers. And it I, just I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have. Comes, yeah. And I think it just comes back to the fact that like, like Harden makes them better, but your issue is still the same. It's that you just don't know if Kawhi or Paul George are going to be healthy for a playoff run. And I don't think James Harden is like one of the doctors from Star Trek. I don't think he has the like little like, like laser thing slash like, you know, energy photon, healer, device. Because, like, outside of that, like, yeah, like, he gives you more upside if those guys are healthy, and I think, like, that's a one way to think about it. But, like, you have these three guys now that are all going to be free agents next season. And, sure, you gave up expiring deals, but you also gave up these picks. I just, like, I like it from, like, they made the team better. This is a type yeah. of player that they kind of needed, but like Westbrook's looked really good this year. He's been really pretty fucking good for the Clippers. And like, what do you really want your point guard to do? Set up Kawhi and PG. Paul George has been great to start the season. Kawhi a little bit, oh, seems a little bit rusty, but like he's still Kawhi Leonard. He'll get better as the year goes on if he stays healthy. And you're just eating into those guys' touches, and like that's that's fine if it keeps him healthy. Maybe that's the idea. I just. I feel like the Clippers are in this position where they went all in and it didn't work. And so they feel like they still need to keep pushing to go all in to try to like really get a championship. And they're like, it's just like, sometimes he's got to admit that like you went all in and it didn't work out. And like, that's, there's no shame in that most like 90% teams that go all in. They, it doesn't work out.
1: Yeah. 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 I think so. I don't have any concerns about the basketball in terms of like the yeah. the touches and all that. I'm not really, I'm not too concerned. I do think Harden's a pretty significant upgrade over Westbrook just because he spaces the floor while also giving you the same type of high volume playmaking, you know? So, yeah. so I do, I like it from that point of view, but my thinking is you alluded to a lot of this, but my thinking is along the lines of like, okay, Kawhi Leonard has a degenerative knee disease by all, accounts right like to my understanding like there's no real reason to be optimistic that he'll be able to play a full season again is that fair to say due to the nature of his injury concerns they are they there's a higher than average risk of re-injury right that's true isn't it there's
0: there's a i mean there's also this there's a real chance his knee is just like as you said like degenerative at this point We're talking about acl quad tendon and now meniscus it's like there's only so many things in the knee for you to tear, it. He's, he's he's checked a lot of the boxes.
1: Right. So given how high the odds of Kawhi getting hurt again seem to be, that's why I don't like the deal. Because if I'm the Clippers, I'm asking myself, do I think that James Harden and Paul George can make noise in the absence of Kawhi Leonard? And my answer is no, I don't think so. I think that the Nuggets, Suns, and probably the Lakers – are all going to smack the crap out of them if leonard's not available right like you know so it's just not worth the risk if i were the clippers i would probably be going the other way to be honest with you i would be trying to get the best value that i could for george and leonard and thinking about like a soft rebuild i think that because they're so low on their own draft capital that's sort of like like hard rebuild maybe isn't all that attractive of an option but see if you can trade those guys for like some solid players on the younger side who can contribute and a little bit of draft capital and maybe try to do the next thing where you know i was really inspired and forgive me if i'm rambling uh by the way that the brooklyn nets their first super team failed so they, they put together this group of like D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen and Karis Levert and just kind of churned out like 40, 43 win seasons for a little bit, uh, established themselves as a respectable program, and then went out and got Durant and Irving and eventually Harden, right? Like like that is, I would be looking at that model if I were the Clippers and i go, that's, that's what we need to be doing now.
0: Yeah, and then they pivoted out of that into, as you said, like kind of like a soft rebuild and, you know, they're not going to win a title but as i would kept trying to tell Houston Rockets fans when they're like ah we're going to get the best pick ever cuz like all their superstars are leaving i'm like no like like you're going to get like maybe like a late lottery pick probably like your chances of getting like a top 5 pick like aren't aren't that great because you know like the team is not going to be good but they're not going to be dog shit and <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not.
1: I like I said this, and we're maybe digressing a little bit now, but it's it's relevant enough. But I I think there's a really wide variance of possibilities for this year's Nets. But I think part of the point is this: they have a lot of flexibility, right? Like because yeah. they also have a lot of draft capital. So you know, if Trey Young hits the market, they can go trade for Trey Young, and then we're certainly not getting a lottery pick. You know what I mean? Or alternatively if they really, really stink up to the deadline, fingers crossed, they could go trade Mikel Bridges for th- three more picks, right? And, and and now they've got the best collection of draft capital outside of Oklahoma City in the league. And, and so they could sit on their hands for another season or two and go get the best player to request a trade, right? And start over that way. So so the Knights are very flexible. The Clippers are very inflexible, to bring it back to the original topic.
0: Yeah. Um, of the players that they gave up, I, I do... Like, obviously, getting P.J. Tucker is, like, kind of important because they gave up basically their entire power forward rotation. And, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I know Terrence Mann It's like, super versatile, great player. But part of me feels like I would rather have one of Covington or Batum and not have Tucker and have given up Terrence Mann and maybe had to give up, like, one less asset, like, I don't know because Tomb was has been was super important for him last season. He hasn't been playing quite as much this season, but Covington's been playing. Been playing well, and like, you know, those guys are great because they can play small ball five. They can play power forward. You know, Covington's a pretty good defensive player. Can do some. He's not great, but like to do some weak side rim protection. Do a little bit on the perimeter. Tomb is a good shooter, good passer. Right, like, like I really liked those two guys and like obviously you have to give up players to get players but I feel like giving up both those guys and KJ Martin it's like they went from having like a super versatile deep kind of power forward rotation to like PJ Tucker
1: yeah no I, I completely agree with you I, I would have I would have tried to hold on to Nick Batum I, I understand the covington from yeah. been playing better this year but you've got more proof of concept with Batum I, I don't I think they overvalued Terrence Mann I guess we talked about this but yeah, yeah to me I'm like okay, you got Terrence Mann, you know, he's he's fine, but they they have enough backcourt depth. I know he can play the three, maybe even the four in a pinch by these super disadvantaged size-wise at that position. You know, Batum unlocked a lot of versatility for them, and P.J. Tucker is, like, pretty damn washed, man. So, like, that's one of my yeah. favorite players of all time, but, you know, facts are facts at this point.
0: Maybe, maybe the reality is they're just like, fuck it, like, T.G. and Kawhi are going to be playing the 4.
1: Yeah, which is absolutely fine by me, but yeah. it's still who's going to play the small ball 5, you know? Like I just liked the general I just really value front court versatility, I guess, and so I would I would have tried to hang on to one of those utility guys and and have more lineups you can run. Don't yeah, don't go back on your position it was there was a mistake.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, it's it's tough. Like I think at the end of the day, like I don't hate what the Clippers did just because if they feel like they need to try to win as many games as possible, give themselves the best chance to win a championship. I'm never going to fault a team for doing that. Yeah. It's because like at the end of the day, like not enough teams do that. Like they they're like, you know what, like half measures aren't gonna work. Like we believe in these guys and we believe that they can be healthy and we believe we can win a title if that's the case. Good for them. They're If it doesn't work, people are going to clown them. But like, that's fine because like the people that clown teams for not winning championships when they go for it, like those people are just, they're kind of like missing the whole point, right? Like, yeah, you, you can't win a championship just because you go all in. That's not like, it's not like, that's not how it works. Like, you need things to go your way. And sometimes they do and you win a title, sometimes they don't. And you end up being like, we had a really great team, really good seasons. We gave the fans a lot of good memories. We just weren't able to give them that final one.
1: Yeah. So let me uh, give some summarized thoughts on the Clippers as well. First of all, I think we're very much on the same page on on this from the Clippers point of view. Because I feel the same. It's like, like, I don't hate it. I respect what they're trying to do. They've put together one of the most talented teams in the league. If it wasn't for Kawhi specifically and how high of an injury risk he is, I would even like it.
0: Oh, but I would because love it. I yeah, love it.
1: because he's such a bad gamble, you know, at, at this point, it's not what I would have done. But that doesn't mean that I I have no respect for it whatsoever. I will say though, that to have depleted your assets to this extent, I do think a conference finals run is like a like a realistic, like, like anything short of if, if they go through this whole Kawhi Leonard era and they don't even get to the conference finals, well, they did, I, I would have to view that as they a did
0: once without Kawhi completely. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget that. Yeah, but they did, just didn't feel... Like, like, like they need to give their fans a season where it feels like they have a chance at winning yeah. a title, man. You know, like, uh, having been through this, like, like, Rockets fan my whole life, you know, pretty much 30 years by now, 2017-18, that was the only year where I felt like, dude, we might actually win the NBA championship. You know, like, it feels like we could really do that. We didn't, but I know that... Th- that that team like gave their all. You know what I mean? Like, like, like like that was an opportunity and that's all you can ask for. I think as a fan, So the Clippers fans need to feel like they might win.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, flip over to Philly because I think Philly is where you can have a lot more. I'm like, I say nuanced. The discussions can go in so many different directions because Philly essentially said they did what James, they didn't do with James, they did what Daryl Morey kind of, doesn't like to do. Yeah. Get rid of an all-star and not get an all-star in return. But I do think that they got some ammunition that will help them get an all-star. Um it was one of the reasons why I was bringing up the the draft capital so much is that how valuable is that 2028 and 2029 pick swap gonna actually be because the the additional first round pick they got from Oklahoma City I don't think anyone's looking at that as anything more than like that's like the way I would describe it if I was a general manager I'd be like well that's better than a second round pick but like yeah that's how like if you're saying it's better than a second round pick you're basically saying like it doesn't really feel like a first round pick um so they have some of their own picks that they can move they don't have all of them like there's is any i know people have linked him to Levine. I know people have linked him to OG Ananobi. If they're linking to OG Ananobi, I don't know why they're not linking him to Pascal Siakam as well. Because if Toronto is moving one of them, I don't know why they wouldn't move both of them. And Siakam is a good player. Um, probably a better player than Ananobi. I would say definitely a better player than Ananobi. Maybe not more. I, I think actually, let's talk about this now. Ananobi. What the fuck? We're messaging about like being very confused. Like the the re, the reported or like the scuttlebutt around his value seems to be insanely, insanely high. And I think he's a very good player who's on a very good contract. But is he has a player option? I believe for next season, so he's functionally going to be a free agent. Is he a guy you even want to give a max to? Like realistically, no. do you want to give a max to him? And like no. that's kind of what I feel with Ananobi. It's like if you're gonna trade for him and then give him a max, I don't feel like you should have to give up all that much. But it feels like the his value around the league is somewhere. It's like he could get three first round picks, and I'm like, like how the fuck is he more valuable than James Harden when they're basically no, like, through holiday?
1: Great. Even you or know, uh, really, yeah. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you, man. I I think something that's happened right in the NBA's trade market is, it's overcorrected maybe for three and D wings. It's like truthfully, there are only a small handful of true three and D wings in the league, right? There are a lot of guys that we call three and D wings, but they actually are like pretty suspect defenders or really inconsistent shooters. But like yeah. since I kind of give you a little bit, or there's those guys that like. Shoot 34 from deep, and they're average defenders. So, we're like, Oh, three and D wing. It's like, Yeah, it's kind of neither, but they are few and far between true, like three and D wings. And Ananobi is one of them, right? Yeah. He, he, so since it's a scarcity of, 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 it's a scarce skill set, uh, I think the league started to recognize that. But you don't want to pay those guys max money because it, those are the guys that complement the guys that you pay max money to, Like exactly. like, you want to give those guys like. 30 million 25 30 million not 40 45 million you know that you want to reserve that for your guys that like you're putting those guys around so yeah in short I agree with you I think Ananobi's become a little overvalued he really doesn't offer much creation man he he does not offer much creation or playmaking defensive creation but in half-court offense he's not a guy you can really give the ball to he's a floor spacer right so yeah
0: and like his shooting like he can catch and shoot but it's not like if he was one of these guys where you're like, you can listen, like maybe doesn't have to be as good a shooter as like buddy healed. But if you could do some of those actions and still be like, you know, 35 ish percent and you could just spam stuff like that. I'd be like, okay, you know, like he's such, he's a good enough movement shooter as well as a catch and shoot guy that like, yeah, he can't do creation, but you can be like, Hey, we're going to, you're going to run around and it's going to cause problems. Like you're, you're, you're creating stuff for your teammates. I just running around, and it's like he's not really one of those guys, and so it's just like the offensive utility is yeah he can space the floor that's great yeah he's a great defender that's great, but at the end of the day it's like the overall production is it's good it's not max good it's not no. give up three first round picks no. for good and then it's not give up three first round picks and then give a max four. Right, so I I do agree with you. It's a of these three and D wings that are like truly three and D guys. The scarcity of the skill set doesn't match the production. So just the cost of these guys is just so cr- crazy high that like I almost feel like if I was a general manager, I'd be like, we're just never trading for these guys because no matter what, yeah, we're gonna like try just- to
1: draft them we'll target them in free agency i agree with you it's like i'm not i'm not trading for them the market's too ridiculous
0: yeah it's like i'm fine overpaying for them in free agency because i didn't have to give up extra shit but i'm yeah. not fine trading for them and then overpaying them like that just feels like you're 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 making it's okay to overpay once it's not yeah. okay to overpay twice because then it's just like dude yeah. like what the fuck are you doing it's like and in,
1: in, in the meantime you know if i can't get one i'll cobble together tory craig and royce o'neill and and you know these guys and like just like get a little bit of three and look here a little bit of d there and, and and try to make it work rather than give up all my draft capital for a role player i'm with you
0: yeah and so that means that the guy the two guys that i think are probably the most attractive would be pascal siakam which for some reason i haven't really heard that name as much when they still had harden that was a kind of a theorized trade that you didn't really hear a lot of skull about and then it's now Zach Levine and I'm not gonna lie like offensively I think Levine would be fine in Philly like they would be a little bit light on playmaking between their their top three guys but they're all such good scorers that it's almost like You know, they're sure, like, they're not gonna make as many easy buckets for Tobias Harris, even though you probably have to move Tobias Harris if you get Levine. But like, let's just say, like, you know, like they're not gonna make a ton of easy buckets for each other, but they're just so good at scoring that like it doesn't really fucking matter because those guys get buckets even when there's not great creation for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it should work fine offensively, but I'll say this. If they go get Levine, they're a pretty dangerous team. It's not its not a horrible decision, but it's not what I would do. I love the idea of Siakam. Oh, I, yeah. if, if, Siakam if they can get Siakam, I think that's excellent. But uh, let me throw another name at you who's kind of relevant to the discussion that we've been having, but I think adds a little dynamic of shot creation that Ananobi doesn't, and I think he'd be a really good fit for that reason. Can you guess who I'm thinking of? He's probably not available. There's another hint. Like, like he probably will not become available this year. But if he Are you talking
0: about Mikel Bridges? I am. Yeah. They ain't getting Mikel Bridges.
1: Eh, three picks. They, they they have three picks. They can trade. Yeah, but. And expiring contracts, too.
0: I know, but why why would. My, here's my thing. Why would the Nets want to move Mikel Bridges?
1: Okay, so let me so you're thinking about the fact that they don't own their picks, obviously.
0: Well, right? I'm also just thinking about like they don't own their picks. They're they you know, their record it's super really isn't amazing. It's not even good, but like well it's one and two. It's one and two, it's like they <laughs> it's, win their next know. yeah, they, they win their next game, they're five hundred. They win their next yeah. two games, they're three and two, and like, you know, great winners. They lose percent.
1: their next two games and the Rockets are getting Alex Sarra, baby. Let's go.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's just like one of those things where it's like they like they've been pretty fucking competitive in their games. Like, you know, there's I personally, if I was the Nets, just as a rule of thumb, I just would never fucking trade players to Philly, or or the Knicks. I just be like, they own
1: Philly's twenty twenty seven pick too with protections.
0: Eh? So you know, like,
1: I mean, okay, okay, but hypothetically, he'd be perfect. Like, forget Brooklyn's. Yeah, okay, yeah. All right, so let me try to make the case for Brooklyn, man. They only make bridges available. Obviously, if they stink heading up to the deadline, right? But if they stink heading up to the deadline, what is the difference? They stink anyway, right? They're giving up a good pick to the Rockets. If they suck at the deadline, sure, they might turn the season around after the deadline. But like the odds that they're going to give the Rockets a good pick are, are suddenly quite high. So what are they really hanging on to? And my thinking is, I trade Bridges for three first round picks. Now I've got the most draft capital in the league besides the Thunder. And so this summer, I'm trading three or four picks for Donovan Mitchell, and now I've got a more dynamic offense. I retain Nicholas Claxton, and, and we might be a second-round playoff team in 2025, which is a one-year measure, right?
0: The reason why I wouldn't do it is that when you want to be good, who do you want to trade for?
1: Well, Mikel Bridges, but it, it, it's no, no, I no, guess no. it's like a – it's a That's... step back to take two steps forward kind of thing. Because they don't have anyone else on the roster that like is gonna command a whole lot of trade value. And while they have a pretty good collection of draft capital right now, they aren't that they aren't like major players like the Thunder or the Knicks or maybe even the Pelicans who control their own draft and have outside draft capital, right? Look, so I'm
0: saying it's this. it's let me just bring it go back to Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. If you're if you're them and you're like Hey, Donovan, we have Nick Claxton, very good center. We have Mikkel Bridges. We have Cam Johnson. We now want you. And we think you being here, you get to be close to New York where you're from. We can be a super, super, super good team. Like, I think that's a compelling pitch in free agency. And I think it's also a compelling pitch where if he doesn't re-sign or not re-sign, if he doesn't extend with Cleveland, they might say, okay, well, like, what can we get? And he's like, you know what? I really want to go to Brooklyn. That's where like, I want to resign. Like that's the, like, that's the leverage these guys have. And I think, as you said, they have like a decent collection of picks. Like they, you know, they don't have their own. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Right. Like so basically, just-
1: but what if, what if Mitchell says, I want to go to the Knicks or the Nets? It's uh, the, the Knicks kind of hang over the Nets right now in that way, because they can give up their own 2024 20, six, eight, 30 picks Right. And they got a couple of other picks. And if you like goddamn RJ Barrett, they got that for you too, you know? Like
0: He's actually been okay to start the season. Yeah. But okay. I mean, he's like he's been okay, which is it's one of those things where like, he's one of those players like when he's when he plays okay, people are like, He's he's an all star now. It's like dog, like no, he's no he's just fine. He's just not, yeah. he's just yeah. not but bad. But so no, I
1: mean, if I'm the Cavaliers, I would rather have RJ Barrett and four unprotected firsts from the Knicks versus I don't know, I guess like Ben Simmons and and three or four lightly protected picks from other teams uh, that Brooklyn can offer. It's not that Brooklyn has a bad offer, but the Knicks have a better offer. Now, if Mitchell just wants to join the Nets, then you're right. And that is possible. So it's kind of a gamble either way for the Nets, but having a better trade package wouldn't hurt if they already suck. That's, that's key. I, I,
0: I get that. It's just bridges is one of these guys. And it's where I'm always like, like he's better than Ananobi in my opinion right like he's oh, just, yeah. he he could do more on offense like he's not yeah. if he's your number 1 option you're not going to have a good offense but like it's not going to be dog shit um or maybe maybe it will be bad i mean
1: it depends on your number 2 option is if it, if yeah. it's Spencer Dinwiddie you you might be a little bit dog shit but yeah you know yeah
0: but yeah look like and the thing with bridges is it's kind of like when the suns traded him to get durant it's like they made this big move and it's like Oh man, their team is so great. All they all they need is Mikel Bridges. It's like he's one of those dudes <laughs> yeah. where it's like, it's like whenever you trade him, you're always like, now we're good. We could really use this guy back. And like that's the only reason like why because as you said, it's like the scarcity thing, right? With these three and D guys, where and he's probably the best one in the league, where it's just like because they're gonna cost way more than their production is worth, if you have them, it makes sense to hold on to them. If you think you can get good again, the difference with like Toronto is like they're not going to be good anytime soon. And yeah. by the time, you know, his contracts on it's like, just move them. Okay. Let me
1: try one more angle on the Nets trade. Okay. Bridges.
0: Do you really want Bridges gone? I, this is just, I, I have ulterior motives. This is just you scheming to have the Rockets get better picks from them.
1: Okay. But think about this, right? So this upcoming draft, the Rockets just own their pick altogether, right? Yeah. 2025 draft, it's a swap. And yeah. that's a stronger draft. We, you got Cooper flag and you got some other young guys too. Right. So if I'm the next, maybe I'm looking at the rockets, if the rockets are still bad leading up to this year's deadline, right. Maybe I'm looking at it and going, okay, you know what? I'm going to call you a bluff. Sure. We'll send you guys a, the fourth overall pick in, in the 2024 draft. And congratulations. You did pretty good out of the hardened trade, but we have a feeling you're going to suck again next year too. And so if you get the second overall pick and we get the, Friggin' sixth overall pick, we're still coming out of it with, with, with a young star. Like, like, I think the idea that the Nets absolutely can't rebuild is a little bit overstated. You know, like like yeah. half those picks are swaps, right? And then in a few seasons, it's all over, you know? So it's like I I I just think that's a little bit of an overrated thing. They 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 could sell if they wanted to sell.
0: Yeah, they totally could. I just I just think they wouldn't sell bridges. It's like kind of like the way I feel. And it's like, if you can't sell bridges, it's like, or you should have that much. Yeah. They don't have much that anyone else wants. And so it's just like, to me, it's like, I think they're going to ride out the Ben Simmons contract and they're going to try to extend bridges. And they're going to hope the fact that like, they now have, they're getting their own picks back. They have a bunch of other outside assets. Cause I mean, like dude, like that we talk about like the twenty twenty eight Clippers pick, man. Like they have a 20, what 29 or twenty thirty unprotected Mavericks pick, right? Like yeah, 2029. 20, yeah. yeah. Like Lucas fucking cooking. But like if Lucas having to do this and they're like, you know, they start out 3 and 0, but like let's say damn, they, they hit a rough patch. Like, you yeah. know, they're like 15 and 12 and Lucas like averaging 35, 9 and 9 and he's like things like like what the fuck is this bullshit? Like, yeah, like we're above 500, but like if I'm doing this, we should be better. Than three games above five hundred, And it's like I think if you're a GM, you're looking at that pick and you're like, "I I'd take that." Like, "I
1: absolutely, absolutely, I agree." Yeah, right? no, yeah, yeah. The Nets have a lot of flexibility and a lot yeah. of auctions, right? I uh, like where I, they're I, at. Just...
0: I like where they're at. I think they've done a great job in the like, at, like the any team that have a super team where it just can bust them the way they did, I actually kind of think that yeah. benefited I them agree. where it didn't like the super team didn't like fade into oblivion and just like age out of its. Core, it's like it's just like we're all gone, but we're all still good. Like you can get shit for us. It's like, okay, cool. I like that's better than that's better than what happened to the heat.
1: Yeah. Although they managed to weather that pretty well too, but
0: oh, yeah, heat culture. What are you gonna do? Um, okay, so as it pertains to Philadelphia, I think they're great on this trade, it's kind of like a TBD, right? Because like if they end up just getting all the poo-poo platter of expiring contracts and they don't really use it to get anyone decent, I'll be like, okay, like, you got off Harden. That was probably good. You got off the Tucker money. That's probably something you wanted to do. But, you know, this is a year where, like, you, another year of Joel Embiid's prime wasted. I do want to, before we get off the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey. I don't know if you've been paying attention but he's off. Are to you eight. joking?
1: <laughs> I, I took him in the fourth round in our, in our fantasy pool. So yeah, no, yeah.
0: Really? Um, so he's been incredibly, incredibly good to start the season. Um, what's his offense his offensive box plus minus through three games? So like, take this with a grain of salt. Is nine point one, which is the fourth best in the league behind Curry, Don Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. That is. So, do you think that the Sixers? based off how Maxi was playing, we're like, we can take a deal that allows us to make another deal opposed to, we need to make a deal where like we get a, a guy. It's like, cause my sense is Maxi playing really well was like bought them enough time within Indeed to just be like, yo, like you two guys are like good enough to like be competitive. And like, now we have the assets to so, like add like a third dude that can like really help us, but we yep. weren't going to get them if we, included harden in the in the framework.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's probably the logic. And let, let me I, I wanted to say this too. I think that this is an interesting test of Daryl Morey and his basketball acumen, man. Because let me say this. If this team looks good, right? Heading into the deadline and everything they don't have to trade for Zach Levine. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't, right? What is the formula for success in the NBA? Like they have uh, the reigning MVP, right? Uh, Second best offensive big man in the NBA, right? A true superstar. You got Tyrese Maxey, who's playing like the best player in the NBA right now. Obviously he's, he's likely to regress, but like, like he's a star player though. Right? You got Tobias Harris. Who's like a really great complimentary player, man. Like, regularly flirts with that 50 40 90 mark like a really efficient offensive forward who's not like a like a black hole on the defensive end i feel like people hate on maxi man but like or sorry uh, harris but he, he's a good player
0: oh yeah yeah
1: they have a and, good roster and now and, that, and,
0: well i was gonna say out with like uh, harris it's like now that harden is gone and maxi's the second option harris slides into that third option and it's like yeah. what makes him good is that like he's a pretty good offensive option. And like, he's a beautiful
1: third option, man. Yeah. To it's me, like, you it's know? better
0: value than him be, having him be the fourth option. So it's just like, he's, yes, he's basically becoming more valuable because you're putting him in a more important role, which you can, so, he can handle.
1: if it looks good leading into the deadline, if I'm Daryl Morey, I start thinking about stuff like, maybe i should just like trade for dorian finney smith or something like that you know like see like like flip covington and and a handful of second rounders for a better three D or like uh i don't know go get a secondary creator not to pick on the nets but like a spencer dimwitty see if i can cobble together the pieces for that and like like hang on to some assets and actually put a, a goddamn team together instead of just like vomiting out superstar plus miscellaneous role player uh formations all the time because there's something to be said for synergy and and, and having a clear hierarchy on a team and I think Daryl Morey's overall he's a, I think he's a really good general manager with, with a good track record but I just think that he hasn't paid a lot of attention to like the crafting aspect of this thing throughout his career he just kind of is like has this philosophy of, like, I need the biggest names I can get and then whatever else I can put around them. Like, why don't you see how this looks, man? You got a good team there, you know?
0: Yeah, and they're going to be – they're a lot deeper than they were now, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Batum and Covington, those guys can fucking play. They're good players, and they'll make them deeper. Um, Maxie, his his numbers are pretty absurd. He's at 30.3 points per game on a 62.5 effective field goal percentage. The one concern I have obviously is that like the scoring efficiency, while it looks great right now, you know, he's shooting 50, this, this is just nuts. 56% from three on 8.3 attempts per game. James, I know he's on your fantasy team. I know our league values three pointers a lot. I'm going to tell you this. He's not going to keep this up. Um, so that is that, but, um, the concern is just, like, you know, the two-point efficiency is now down to 45.2%. It had been about basically exactly 51.2 the previous three seasons. So the shooting efficiency, it's going to regress, but with the volume, that's fine. But the real, the real impressive thing is up to 6.3 assists, which is a career high. Only one turnover. The yeah. one turnover with this type of shooting volume and passing volume is, like, good. I mean, the only, like, really, the only concern is, like, what is this three-point field goal percentage going to look like long term because yeah
1: but I mean you gotta it's, it's obviously not going to stay where it is but you have reason to believe that it's going to be good though you yeah. know what I mean yeah. Yeah, yeah like like he's good he's really good he might be comfortably good enough to be the second best player on a, on a contender if this play holds up then I think you got to at least give him that kind of a vote of confidence you know oh, yeah
0: yeah I mean the the it's only three games but like you know the you know the free th- the free throw generation way up that's something you're like that's what we want to see when your shooting volume goes up it's it's that um the turnovers at 1 per game i don't think that's going to last but it's clear he's not going to be like coughing the ball up like a madman in this role and that's super important because like avoiding negative plays is super valuable and so it's like yeah he's not going to average 30 points per game but you know let's say he's at like 25 to 26 points per game on, like, you know, a 55 effective field goal percentage and, like, six or seven free throw attempts a game at, like, you know, around 87%, like, with, you know, six, five to six assists per game, that's, like, a really fucking good player, right? Like, that is totally what you yeah. need. And, like, that's, you can win a ton of games with that. Like, is that going to get you past the Bucks Is that going to get you past the Celtics? I don't know but like was yeah. that were you getting past those guys with james hard probably not so you know philly philly seems fine like i don't i don't get it they feel like they're always about to like shit's about to hit the fan and then it never really completely does and you're just always like
1: well shit is in bead and the fan is the trade market right like yeah. so basically that's what it, that's what. It, constantly boils down to for Phillies like are we going to be able to hang on to Joel Embiid
0: and thus so far, far it's they looking have... pretty good yeah it's looking pretty good alright Um, I want to give you some time to talk about your favorite team that you've watched I'm assuming most of if not all of their games is the Houston Rockets all of... all of yeah I've actually caught I think not all of but most of every one of their games so I'm just going to ask you this should they fire email Duca
1: <laughs> get out of here <laughs> no uh currently i think that the main issue is that there are certain lineup combinations that had to be played out of necessity because of basically just limited options that really 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 stink right i have to say i know you're a fan of the guy and and i usually am too if we're going eye test but they all feature jay sean tate right like as much as i like jay sean tate I think he plays really hard, and he he brings a fair bit to the table. The fact is, he's a six four wing that can't shoot, and it makes him a difficult player to work with. And we've pretty much stunk when he's on the floor. I'm Not saying it's all Jay Sean Tate's fault, you know. It's not but, all his fault, but um, no, you know. but but the fact is that the starters have played pretty well, and the bench has been absolutely awful. And he he's a big part of that. And then he's not a good compliment to man Thompson, right? Like he, they yeah. basically they're basically the same player right now, you know, like in a, in a lot of ways, right? So that's not working too well. And then, you know, I think another issue that plagues the team is that uh Jabari Smith Jr. is not really the defensive player that he was, like, supposed to be, and he's not able to compensate for Albert and Shangoon. And it, it, now it's a Jabari Smith Jr. problem because Shangoon is the best offensive player on the team, right? So it's got to be – some people have to help him. It's not about him helping people anymore. And Jabari Smith Jr., He's just not doing it. He's not a great weak side defender. He's, you know, pretty good at guarding the point of attack for a guy that's 6'11", but, like, that's just not uh... what's most important right now.
0: Yeah, it's also, it's always the 4'6", 11.
1: Yeah, so it's like, who cares, kind of, you know? Like, like I think that there's some defensive utility to mine from Jabari Smith Jr. I think he's a little bit of a complicated athlete, which makes it a little bit tricky, you know? But at this moment, he's not like the eraser that you'd like next to shangun and so and offensively they kind of really both want the ball on the low block so that's been a little bit of a problem too like like the fit between shangun and jabari smith jr was a selling point leading into the 2022 draft right now it looks like a bad fit to me
0: yeah and i think one of the reasons why it looks like a bad fit is because jabari smith jr has just unequivocally been fucking bad in the NBA. Yeah, and like I'm not, I'm not trying to be like he's a bust, he's garbage. There's no hope. I'm just saying, like as a matter of a fact, he has been yeah. really bad in the NBA. Bad, like a bad NBA player, like a been really a bad, bad NBA player. NBA yeah, player. yeah. <laughs> it's like what were the selling points? As you said, the defense, and eh, not been so good. Nope. I don't think it's been like horrible, but like it's not, it's not been something really where you're good. like it's been below.
1: It's, it's been below an average NBA player.
0: It's not yet. It's not carrying anyone's profile, right? What is the next best yeah. thing? What is the other thing he's supposed to be really good at? Shooting. What has he not been good at? Shooting. Right. Probably. So it's like you know, the 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 two things that he was supposed to be good at that were supposed to like carry him to being like have this high floor as a prospect. You're like he's gonna be able to defend pretty well. He's gonna be able to shoot pretty well. And like that's just gonna make it so if he's never a superstar, he's a guy you can trot out there for thirty minutes a night and be totally happy with it. He hasn't done either one of those things, and yeah, man, it's, and look, it's really hurt because they needed. They've really like with with Kevin Porter Jr. being gone, Dunzo from the NBA. They needed his shooting to be somewhat, just like it didn't even need to be good. It just needs to not be twenty two percent. Yeah, right. Man. Like, it's like, and like, you know, it's three games. There's no reason to completely freak out. He was really no. good in summer league. He was, he was good in the preseason. It's, it's, it's fine. But the reason why they're struggling out the gate is he's been really bad. Jalen, Jalen green has also struggled from three. He's, I mean, he struggled just by and large, um, up like he's actually been bad also like like I've been completely unimpressed with his performances. They'll both get better, right? Like, because I think they've already established that they're better than they've already played, right? So I think they'll get better well, as yeah. And the better let- season goes on, but like it's just that's this is why you're 0 and 3 and look like one of the worst teams in the league because two of your starters have been absolutely dog shit and and your bench is a mis is a mishmash. Like it just it doesn't make any conceptual sense. It's basically It's like, how many, how many six foot six to six foot nine wings with questionable jump shots can we like throw in one lineup? It's like, dude, like you're not the fucking Toronto Raptors. Like, this ain't gonna work.
1: Yeah. A few things I wanna say. I, I think that there are a lot of contextual factors behind struggles that Jalen has had throughout his whole career and continues to have. Like, we're talking about a young volume scorer who is consistently on the worst space teams in the nba like that like that does not help right like the paint is perpetually packed for jalen green it makes it a lot harder to get his slams off compared to like an anthony edwards who feasts off of cat's gravity you know like like jalen's not had that type of uh help so i i i think that you know, Jalen started playing the game on maximum difficulty right off the bat, and and I, I try to give him more grace for that reason. I think that so far this has all been designed for failure. And this is his first year playing with a point guard, you know? Like he's not played alongside a point guard. So I I I actually think Jalen was pretty good uh in games two and three. Not just not excellent, but like yeah. like acceptable level of performance. He he turned in games that you know, are fine for him to have this year. Game one, he was horseshit, but games two and three, you know, like like you'll take those games, you just hope they're on the lower end of his of his range of games. Yes. Yeah, you know yeah. and
0: right now they're his two best games because it's it's the season's three games old. The season's you know? three
1: games long. But Barry Man he doesn't really have those excuses. He can't knock down open jump shots <laughs> and he's not defending very well, right? Like it's not the the, the it's not the same It's just not the same context. Like, Barry has just been bad. I don't have any excuses for him. He's been really bad.
0: He's been bad. And my favorite thing I'll see is people like, they got to run plays for him. I'm like, dude, what? He can't can't hit open shots. Yeah. Here's the thing thing. you want plays run for you, hit open shots. Like, that is like step one. You want to get plays run for you, hit the easy ones. Just think
1: about it. You're not going to hit the hard ones. If I work at an office and I have a really easy job, and I'm doing really bad at it, right? I can't go to my boss and say, well, you know, if you gave me more responsibility, I'd do better. It's like, bro, I need you to prove that you can fucking file the things in alphabetical order before I get you to to take the meeting with the CEO. You know what I mean? Like, like this is like, like you know what I mean? He's, no, we can't run plays for him. He, there's no play to run for him, right? Like- He
0: can't, bro, we are running plays for you. Open, wide open threes. You can't execute it. If you can't execute that, we're not be setting fucking screens for you so you can get a semi-contested mid-range jumper so you can quote unquote get in a rhythm. Like, look, man, here's the thing. If you want to be allowed to get in a rhythm, you gotta be fucking good. Because otherwise, yeah. you just like like that's how this that's how this They're gonna try to works. get Jalen
1: Green and Fred Van Fleet in a rhythm. Because you can't yeah. get everybody in a rhythm, you or know. Shang-Gun. Like or get I will say Shangun gets himself in a rhythm, right? He's a dude, self-starter.
0: Dude is dude, is I, I know I actually let's talk about Shang-Goon. because like it is.
1: I, I, I gotta go kind of soon just, yeah. just to head us up. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cause I think the Shen situation is just like one of these like anxiety inducing things for the franchise. In that, like, and like, I've said this before, it's like, I'm you're cause you're more critical of them than I am. And it's not because, like, I agree with all of your concerns. I'm like, I'm like yeah, Shen probably isn't going to be good enough on offense to be the focal point of a team that can win a championship. And that is not an insult to him. That is literally not an insult to any individual because they're like you go look at the focal points on offense of like all the NBA champions for like the last decade. It's like, oh, these are all inner circle hall of famers who've won MVPs, right? Best offensive players in the league, right? Like it's not it's not like an insult. It's just like it's really hard to win a championship. I don't know if Shangu's gonna be that good. But the Rockets are in this like shitty position where all of their young guys have been Not very good, except for him. He is so clearly their best young player currently that you kind of have to play around him and play through him because that is like your only way to like some level of NBA competency. But then you run into the issue where it's like, yo, we're like, we're building around the Domitus Sabonis regen. So is is like... It, like this probably doesn't have like real championship upside. And so there's like these two groups of people, I think in like the Rockets fandom from my understanding is like the people are like you where it's like, look, like we're just probably not going to be able to win championship with this guy. Like, don't get too attached. Like I think we should move him because I don't think he's going to lead to that. I'm like, I'm a, I'd push back from that just because I go with the, I'm a wizards fan. Like if we make the second round of the playoffs, I'm stoked. So like different expectations for different fan bases, you want a title, I get it. And then there's the group that are like lying to themselves about like, no, Shangun is the truth. Like, we can do this. Like, he can get good enough on defense and he can be like an offensive hub and like we can win a title. I'm just like, no, probably can't do that. So I will just say, watching these games, when Shangun has the ball, like it was last year, just like a shit. Like this, this looks like a functioning NBA offense so much more. And I wish they just said. Fuck it! Like this is this is the offense. Shangun in the post. Shangun in the high post. Jalen what Green. Jalen Green two man game. Because I don't think they've done enough Jalen Green Shangun two man game. Like when you have him play off a guy, where he doesn't like, y- like a small little action is creating an advantage for him. He's such a good athlete. He can just nuke nuke the defense. When you're forcing him to like create the advantage on his own off the dribble, he can still get by guys you're like lowering the efficiency of his 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 shot or his pass. It's just like get him in that give him that little extra advantage and like he will take care of business.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Run more two-man game. And also like I've come around on some things, right? Like so so let me let me share a few Shenguin thoughts before we roll on out, right? First of all, if none of these dudes develop, then none of these dudes develop, right? Shenguin is like Shangun's developed like like he's already good, right? Like in, in theory, if you build a team specifically to optimize Shangun right now, I think you could probably make the playoffs. He's averaging nineteen points and seven dimes. You know, like if you went out and got like I don't know all the best players that would complement him the most. You know, I, I, I'm trying. I'm struggling. Giannis,
0: you know, LeBron,
1: get out of here. It, I mean, I I almost want to try to craft a realistic team around him, but then I'm like. That's a little too much thought right now. I'm trying to think of the right four. You know, okay.
0: You I know what I'm Jared, saying? Yeah, like a Jared Jackson Jr. at the yeah, floor, but he's not gonna be available. I, that's I that's know, what I, I thought. But I'm saying like a guy like that, like that's kind of like that who you were hoping Jabari was going to be, because that's like that's a little pie in the sky. But you're hoping, yeah. especially as an interior defender, but you're hoping he could do some of those things. And yes, yeah, some of those things. Says, yeah, exactly. None of those things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So that sucks. <laughs> uh, but I, so. Supposing hypothetically somehow say so you can get Jane McDaniels, uh Chris Middleton and Buddy healed and keep Fred Benfleet, you know, and just like Shangoon in the post and spacing and and defense minus healed and and that's your that's your team concept, you know? I think that team could probably squeak into the playoffs. But so I see Shangoon as 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 a fallback option or like a fail-safe now. That that's that's where I'm at with them to where it's like yeah. If none of these other dudes develop, well, you know what, man? We can still put together like a plucky second round exit team with like like a high octane offense that's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, uh, that just Keep gets the exploited.
1: Kings. We're just talking yeah, the, about the yeah, Kings, baby. Exactly the kid, the Kings in red. You know, like that's 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 pretty much the worst case scenario for this rebuild, in my opinion, right now. So that's not such a bad worst case scenario, you know. Uh, I'm just hoping that a man Thompson can can be what I what I hope he can be, but it's way too early to make any kind of. Yeah, on that, so. yeah.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, like this season to me is like J- Jalen Green doesn't have to become an All Star. Jalen Green doesn't have to be like good, good, but he has to like if he doesn't show something where you're like, yes, he is, he is ascending for sure. He is, he is in this. He, he's going to be in the All Star conversation soon. If he doesn't he definitely show something show that like that. Yeah. This season, it's just the track record of those guys becoming good players. Like after your third season, I know people are like, oh, age, 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 age is a thing. But if you don't get it done by your third season, your high end outcomes go dramatically fall. You can just go, like, yeah, the list of like all the best players in the league. You go look at like what they did in year three. You're like, okay, like they showed that like these guys are probably going to become all stars. And he's, he hasn't shown that yet. Um, Jabari, I don't know what to think because he's literally been maybe the worst player in the NBA. <laughs>
1: I... Oh, yeah, one more point I wanted to make. I have a real fear that Jabari is just pure fool's gold. You put him against a lower level of competition and the release point on his shot makes it child's play, you know? And, and, and he just can dummy, like, summer league opponents, preseason. Uh, Well, he wasn't that great in preseason, was he? Dominant think, in summer
0: league. Dominant. I think he was fine in pre. Like, look, like he look. Here's the thing. He was better than he's been so far.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it seems like as the competition level raises, Jabari wilts, and and I have I have a concern that he's just built for a lower level of competition. You know, and when exactly. he's actually going up against the elite NBA athletes and the the other guys that are 6'10", 6'11", the deficiencies in his game uh become more prominent because like he's not. Like he's not very good at basketball, you know. Like he, he just like he's just six eleven with, in theory, a heater of a of a jump shot and and quick feet, but the jumper just doesn't seem to find net. And it's like, well, he can't dribble, he can't pass, he doesn't have like fakes or like you know, like he's not very good at basketball, right?
0: Yes, yeah. I would. Like I would say this. I would not sell the stock yet. If we get around Christmas and he's at 32% from three point range, I would say, okay, it, it might be, it might be time to have the hard conversation of this guy just is not going to be what we hoped he was going to be. I mean, like you just he would have been at, at that point he'll be at like, you know, over hundred career games and the three point shooting will have shown very little. And basically that is it on offense like that skill has to be not just like good but like kind of borderline elite for the rest of his game to be able to I think develop right because if he's not hitting threes like he can't get better at dribbling because he can't get those reps of like pumping and going and like getting downhill right like it's it really needs to be good and like if it's not it's too bad um Eamon I'm not going to say anything about um I do want to just say this Dylan Brooks like Holy shit, we're joking about this. How the fuck... Like, he's been great. I I was not a huge fan of the signing, and my main concern was his shot selection was a big issue in Memphis when he was playing next to John Morant, Desmond Bade, Jared Jackson Jr., three all-star quality players. And he's like, nah, give me the rock. I'm going to cook. I'm going to take bad shots. And then he signs with Houston, and it's like, I'm now around worse players. My thought was, he will continue to take bad shots because he's like, "Why well, took these bad shots when I had good players on my team?" Instead, his shot selection's been really, really good. He's he's hit more threes than he's gonna going to. But like, James, were you right that Ime Odoka is the Dylan Brooks whisperer?
1: Yeah, seems like it. I I I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to explain. Maybe it comes down to you'd have to know Dylan Brooks, you know, to to understand yeah. it. Like. Like maybe he had some realizations like, okay, you know what? I'm at an age and a stage in my career where it's pretty clear that I'm not going to be like a shock creation superstar. So I got to play smarter. And if I can do that, I might get another contract after this one, you know, like, yeah. right. And, and so far so good, man. I love Dylan Brooks, dude. I would go to war for Dylan Brooks. Like I
0: I, I mean, I don't know if I would go to war for Dylan Brooks. Just, just would, on I account. I
1: wouldn't, I wouldn't go to war for my own mother, but I mean, you know, I, it's, it's it's. I feel passionate enough to say I would go to war for him. Let's, let's bring it home.
0: There we go. Okay. Um. So, next episode, we're just going to be talking about 100 things we would do for Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. This was above the break. Um. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on the James Harden trade. I'm sure you've heard plenty of takes from all sorts of sources. All different. Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe the Above the Break podcast, and check out our Substack. It's Above the Break. Um, so it's like Substack slash Above the Break, something of that nature. Check it out. Subscribe. It's free. Definitely subscribe to the podcast. Share it. James, do you want to plug anything before we get out of here?
1: I'm gonna plug my trip to Costa Rica coming up on November 20th. Mm Uh, I got some coffee stuck in my throat now. Oh, plug the coffee that's stuck in my throat. Other than that. I got I got nothing
0: I think the coffee in your throat is plugging you um but
1: <laughs> well said But whatever um
0: okay yeah so um, we'll be back um hopefully in a a weekish or so and uh we'll start getting into the some of the early season storylines because talking about the you know three games in it's like whoa are the Lakers really contenders? Is Austin Reeves a bum because he's had three yeah. bad games? Actually, that's something I, I'm a little bit concerned about because he's been real fucking bad. Um, the one thing I will say before we get out here, Kate Cunningham is a fraud. He. he when will we have this discussion is coming soon? <laughs> Day, Day of next week. All right. <laughs> we'll be back next week in peace.
1: Peace. <laughs>